Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano. So glad you could be with us today as we continue on with talk of the town. Another day upon us. More topics uh, to get to as well. Uh, the Carson Park Master Plan has gotten unanimous approval. There's a key thing about it, though, that I want people to, to think about. And we'll get to that in a little bit. None of the stuff, just because they approve the master plan, doesn't mean any of that stuff is, is ever going to happen. But it's sort of, it's like a mission statement for a business. It's the, the spine of what decisions you're going to make going forward. And everything that is listed in that master plan has to ultimately be individually approved as time goes on. But there, there's something there that I want people to think about uh, because in the future when it does come up, we've got a great opportunity with Carson Park. We'll get to that here in a moment. Uh, it's spring break time for a number of people. Spring break also next week for a number of people in the area. As I said before, are you going out anywhere? Do you know anybody going out? Do you know people that have traveled? Uh, go back to what I said yesterday. If you can wait, wait. And not necessarily just for the health, but I really think if you go somewhere, you're getting a diet version, a light version of something. Save up a little bit more and really blow it out next year if you, if you can. I'll tell you this, though, driving around the area today, I had a number of errands to run today. I think it's not a bad thing to say life is moving forward. There, there's sort of a negative tint when you put it on there. It seems like people put, go into one or two camps. Either, of course, people are out and about. They should be out and about. This thing has been, we've been lied to and we've got to move forward. Or the other camp is no one should be out. The reality of it is, is I think people should be slowly doing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Be smart about it. Was out and about today. Did see a few more people without masks than I had in the past. But still, I would say 98% of the people were wearing masks. Actually, it was at Shields that I saw people that didn't have masks. Because it was Shields inside the mall where I saw of the hundreds of people I came across today, it was three people who didn't who weren't together inside Shields. And the the odd thing is, the people you don't see wearing the mask, uh, they don't necessarily look like they are the ones who were uh, competing for valedictorian at their. They're they're either not competing for valedictorian, or they're obviously not the person who spends any time in the gym. You might say I might be a little blunt, might be a little mean. You don't know why these people aren't wearing a mask. You should be wearing a mask. We went over this months ago. If you're healthy enough to be out, you can wear a mask. You're not making some sort of statement when you don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. All right? I've been vaccinated. I still wear a mask. Now, I don't want to be wearing a mask here in the next little bit. But I wear a mask now, and, 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 and there is no argument. If a business says they want you to wear a mask, you wear the mask. And the only reason some of these businesses don't stop you when you come in through the door is because it's not worth the fight. It's not worth the fight. But if a business asks me to wear a mask, 
Forget about your your rights as an American or anything like that. It's the right of that business to tell you to wear a mask. So you wear a mask. And if you don't want to wear a mask and you really don't feel it's something you have you should have to do, take your business elsewhere. Buy it online. That's how you can make your statement. Uh, speaking of speaking out, this is what I wanted to get to actually today. Uh, great topic. We'll talk about the Carson Park Master Plan in just a bit. Uh, the Altoona housing plan that we've been talking about since January over uh, you know, near the riverfront and, 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 and all of that, that, uh, that plan that first came to public attention really in January, and it's been getting pushed back since. Uh, NIMBY alert. We have a NIMBY alert. Not in my backyard situation. The residents in that area argued against it and what have you, and the thing kept getting approvals. Well, we found out last night that this controversial housing plan has now taken another turn, and it took another turn today. It did not get plan commission support last night. This housing plan. Now, again, this is the plat of land on the riverfront uh, drive there in Altoona. The plan commission preliminarily voted a few weeks ago, four to three, to approve this plan. But that vote was deemed invalid because not enough time from when the plans were submitted to when they took the vote. And the, the plan has changed a bit. It was going to be a lot of condos. Now it's going to be they want to do more townhomes with it. They submitted a plan in early February. The vote was at the end of February. You need 30 days. It was about 20. So they didn't have enough time. That's a, that's a rookie mistake, by the way, by the plan commission to vote early. You know, dot the I's, cross the T's. So that vote was invalid. So residents had even more time to coalesce their objection, gather more momentum. And all of a sudden, what was a close vote supporting something turned around last night. The Planning Commission did not give its support to this housing plan. Plan Commission member Dean Roth noted there are inconsistencies with the proposal. A lot of things there, not shady, it's not shady, but a lot of it just looks sloppy, how it's been handled. The Altoona City Council was to take up the, the plan on Thursday night. They've taken that off the agenda. So the, so the development as of right now is paused. City Council is not going to vote yay or nay, give any final approval or anything like that on Thursday. It's off the agenda. Does that mean the developer is taking a step back and thinking about what they want to do? How is this? We'll find that out later on. But as of now, that, that development has been paused. Now, ultimately, I don't think there has been any shady business going on. I don't think anyone's getting their pockets lined at the city that the developer has evil intentions. But Altoona's leadership, you know, they, 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 they kind of brought this thing along and it was kind of you know, fast-tracked as a lot of what Altoona does. It's one of the things that makes Altoona so business-friendly, which is good. They kind of fast-track things. Whereas Eau Claire, to a fault at times, has a steel door to get in. Altoona at times 
has a velvet rope. And a lot of times that velvet rope isn't even stretched across the door to keep you out. You just walk right on through the velvet ropes on the ground. And that's one of the things that people love about Altoona is that it's not that hard to do stuff there. But I think in this case, Altoona's leadership, which just doesn't like to say no, shoots first, asks for forgiveness later. In this, and in this case, we do need more housing, and ultimately, housing plans should go forward. Yeah, they probably got a little sloppy with this. Now, I mentioned for months, I said some of the issues that were brought up, some of the things that the neighbors in that area were throwing out there. I don't know if I get behind noise from trains. They they think where the where this development would go would be so close to train tracks that it would annoy the people that move there. Well, that's for the people that move there. And trust me, people are going to move there because we've got such a housing crunch. There was a lot of things that they they've spit out there. But the thing that I did get behind the residents in that area is... It's an area of single-family homes, rather kind of a sense of rurality to it, Um, definitely not densely packed homes, so they're uncomfortable with the change of the neighborhood, and this seemed to be, had an element, this development of shoving a square into a round hole. There are things that I think that, that can be fixed. With this, ultimately, we need a housing development, and anywhere there's a plot of land, we should be having these housing developments. But I do think we've got to work more with the residents that are around there. I, I go back to this, and this seems to be a common issue that we have. Why is it that it, when it comes to communication, I'll backtrack what I've said about communication all along about government and and people always say communication was bad and, and, and that sort of thing. And that was one of the things with this, is that the residents felt caught off guard. They didn't know what was going on. It goes both ways. As a resident, you've got to check your, your city and your town's agendas. You've got to do a little homework yourself. Go online, find it. The cities have to make it super easy, and they've got to be proactive putting stuff out. In the city of Eau Claire, for instance, a lot of the council people utilize their Facebook pages excellently and put stuff out there. Emily Berge, for instance, always puts stuff out on social media. Do it. Uh, put up postings in some, you know, write a little newsletter and put it at some coffee shops and all that. So it, it goes both ways. Cities should be very outright and make it very easy to find stuff online, not buried under five different subpages. And community members, you've got to do a little homework yourself. They're not going to just knock on your door. But going back to that, I look at a, I look, a development like this. You're not going to get the people to come on your side in Altoona or anywhere. You're not going to get people on your side who just aren't going to want anything. They'll always think of a reason why it's not going to be there. They don't want any change. So you forget about those people. They're not good community partners. It doesn't, you, you could pay them and they're not going to want it there. Then you've got other people, not that many, that'll just agree to anything. What you have to do, though, is the vast majority of people in an area will go along with something as long as they feel as though they were heard and there is some sense of it benefiting them. 
people like where they live. They move there. They've made a home there. They like where they live. They don't want change. So if you're going to bring in change, which is necessary, you've got to ask them, hey, what would you be okay with? If I do this, what would you need? That sort of thing. And why don't these developers talk more to the people that they're moving in on? Why? It's not something that's required by law. I just think it'd be good business. Instead, too many times developers, it's not just here in Altoona, but elsewhere, just skip that step. They're just going to do what is required by the law. They want to get approval from the city, and then they'll build, and, and, and that's it. They don't, especially if it's housing, they don't necessarily need the support of the neighbors or anything like that. It's not like they're going to be customers of it. But I think developers would save a lot of trouble for themselves if they just went and talked to some of the neighbors. Knock on a couple doors. Hey, what do you like about this area? What could I do? I want, we're gonna, we want to build here. What can we do? And some people will, will, will chase you off, sick, sick their dogs on you. Other people will give you some ideas. But listen to them a little bit. Now, I've gone, of, I've, I've gone and said... Cities, municipalities are not going to go door to door and tell you what's going on. You've got to do some homework. But I'm talking from the developer side of things. We just always see, we never see this come, we never hear about developers talking to the neighbors enough. Going right to them and talking to them. There's nothing legally that says they can't. There's nothing legally that says they have to. But I think it's being a good partner. And if you go forward and you get out in front of it and you're talking more to people, there's always going to be opposition. There's always going to be opposition because you're changing a neighborhood. But if you've listened to some issues and you're fixing some things and you're making some promises and you look like you want to be a true neighbor, I think that helps to provide some ammunition to, to fight through all this. But again, uh, the, that controversial housing development in Altoona, as of now, is going to be paused. Now, there should be a development. When all is said and done here, we, we, we need more development. We need more housing in this area of all types, condos, townhomes, single-family homes. We'll just see how it goes. I, I, th this whole thing has gotten messy, though. It was sloppy how it was handled by the Altoona city leaders. They kind of then skip steps. And again, I don't think there's anything shady going on. They just got sloppy with it. They got sloppy with it. They have not really, I think, they keep alienating the people that are in opposition to this. As opposed to going, hey, sorry, we thought, you know, we, we did things the way we were supposed to, but we understand what you're saying, and let's, let's get this figured out here. They're doing too much to side with the developer than they were with the neighbors, and they've made the fight even worse. They've made the residents in that area even worse. It's been a sloppy way that Altoona leadership handled this one. They made too many assumptions. 
too concerned maybe with their reputation of being very business friendly. They don't want to alienate the developer. They'll, they'll choose the developer over the residents, which is not a good call. And I think hopefully Altoona City leadership, which has done an outstanding job in the last decade, Brendan Pratt, that whole group there, they've done a great job, and their business-friendly attitude is a huge benefit to them, and it's been a huge benefit to the whole community, including those who live in Altoona. But they're going to have to take a step back and go, hey, what could we have done differently here? Even if they can defend what they did by looking at things black and white and, and all of that, Still, though, the truth is in the eyes, and you know things were just sloppy with this whole development. Things were just sloppy. And uh, what can you do going forward? And I understand it, too. You're gonna, there, 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 well, people would have complained anyway about the development. They would have complained anyway. NIMBYs, they would have complained anyway. Yeah, but you didn't have your eyes dotted and your T's crossed on this one. You didn't. And when they... Now, I'll, I'll give you a great example before we move on. We've got that development they're talking about in the town of Washington. And there's the pushback and, and all of that. And CNM Builders has, has, has paused it because they want to go and they want to redesign things and see what they can do to make everybody uh, happy in that regard. That one is, is going a little slower. This one just seemed to be kind of shoved down and, 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 and yeah, just seemed to be kind of when it probably should have been paused right there in January and gone, hey, hey, hey let's take a step back here. What can we do? And now I'm making an assumption here as well with CNM and, and that thing in Washington. I hope that they are reaching out to some of the people in that area and they're talking to those neighbors. That's what they said they were going to do. And I hope they're doing that. Hey, we're going to build this development here. It's going to happen. But what can we do to put this development here that's going to make you happy? What can we do? What do you want to see? Do you want to see more trails? Do you want to see X, Y, Z? Do you want us to bring some type of utility out? What, what do you want to see with this development? And I think the developers and the city could have done the same thing with the residents here in Altoona on that. Meanwhile, in the city of Eau Claire, one of the crown jewels of the entire area, which frankly has been forgotten, I think, in the last decade with all this other stuff popped up and what have you, uh, Carson Park, crown jewel, I still think, of this area, even with everything else that's come about. Uh, Carson Park, its master plan has now been unanimous, unanimously approved by the city council. A lot of things to like in that master plan, but there's a key thing there. It's not a bad thing, but a key thing there that I want people to pay attention to, and I think a huge opportunity for our area going forward. We'll talk about that in a moment. If you're watching on Facebook, the full show, the full podcast, is at the Talk of the Town page at echometownradio.com. Hi, my name's Jamie Liebrandt, and I'm the Chief Credit and Lending Officer for Northwestern Bank. Every employee is focused on what's best for the customer, what's best for the community. Other banks make it harder than what it really is. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of it's based on do you trust the person in front of you? And if you do, don't make it hard. 
make it easy. So to me, that's what makes the bank special. Northwestern Bank, building stronger communities where people matter. Member FDIC. We're now joined by Craig with Toys and Ford, and he is here to tell us a little bit more about this hometown dealership. Craig, so many service options in town. What makes you stand out? There's lots of places that you can go get your car serviced. And, and one of the things that we've always taken great pride in in the Toys and Family is the strength of our service department. It's something that customers have a lot of anxiety in, and, and there's a trust factor that we take very seriously. And it's kind of one of the great things about our new dealership is that there's a window right in the waiting area that you can look out in the shop and see exactly where we're at with your vehicle, what's being done, what the progress is. So if the service writer hasn't checked in with you for a few moments, you know exactly what's going on with your car. You can see it right there. And I think that's been really a great thing for customers who are sitting here watching their car getting work done. Thanks, Craig. And you can learn more yourself by visiting toysin4.net. The one thing that is undeniably universal is that death is inevitable. The death of a loved one is unsettling, regardless of the situation, and as such, those at the end of the process serve an invaluable role. Our friend Randy with Stokes, Proc, and Munt and the Cremation Society is here to tell us how funeral directors are here to provide much-needed assistance. Our main job is to educate, to comfort, to give them order, and to help them consider celebrating a life of the person that they lost, which is very therapeutic for them in the long run. Randy and the folks at Stokes, Proc, and Munt, along with the Cremation Society, are available to answer any of your questions, including pre-planning your arrangements. Check them out online and on social media. City of Eau Claire has uh, unanimously approved the Carson Park Master Plan, which uh, has been discussed for the last several weeks, actually goes back uh, months, surveys that were done last year. Was it last summer or two summers ago? Either way, a lot of input from the community. Probably would have get, had a lot more in terms of in-person stuff, if not for the pandemic. Uh, either way, the city council voted on Tuesday, unanimously approved it, which wasn't a surprise. And there's things in there that call for some more trails, uh, spacing out the parking lots more, uh, kind of enlarging the smaller ones, condensing the very big central one, uh, but spreading out the parking more, boardwalks, a couple other new buildings. Many of the standards will not move, uh, the museum, Paul Bunyan's logging cabin, and the such. But one thing that could see significant change is in the athletic facilities. And I wanted to point this out. The tennis courts would go bye-bye. The softball fields would go bye-bye and instead kind of merged into one large artificial turf field that could be used for everything from softball to baseball to soccer, all of that. The current football stadium would cease to exist, and where there is the current large parking lot at the bottom of the hill of the, uh, the baseball stadium, which wouldn't go anywhere, there would be the potential for a new football stadium with, with limited bleachers, you know, maybe a couple thousand seats. They would move the football field there. 
One thing is this, because assuming this all moves, moving, resituating the football stadium, that field is necessary. Because right now, it's situated the wrong way. It was built, and this is going to make a point in a moment, it was built in the early 1940s, right along with the baseball stadium. It was built before night games, or that night games were going to be predominant. So when games are played at night, typically Friday nights, and the Blue Golds play Saturday nights, the team that is going in the direction of the West is always going into the sun. That's not how you build a football stadium. You build a football stadium not from east to west. You build it north to south, and the football stadium is built east to west. But that would fix that. The stadium, though, may not even be built. The football stadium may not even be built. They're going to dismantle it. Whether there's a new one built or not isn't even guaranteed because UW-Eau Claire, of course, has plans to build their own as they continue to build up Simpson Field off of Claremont Ave. And if that ends up coming to fruition in the next number of years, there may not be a need for any football at Carson Park. High schools could play there, all of that. Okay, so we've got that down. Here's the thing, though, I wanted to point out. A lot was made over the fact that the historic Carson Park Baseball Stadium isn't going to be touched. It's not going to go anywhere. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. They're going to save that. It's historic. I got news for everybody. That football grandstand, and remember, that football grandstand, the one that has the same limestone as the Carson Park Baseball Grandstand, that football grandstand, the one right there at midfield, it's as historically significant. You're going to say, Scott, what are you talking about? It's equally as historically significant as that baseball one. It has nothing to do with athletes that have played. It has nothing to do with whose butt has ever sat there. It has nothing to do with any event. The Carson Park Baseball Stadium is not historic because Hank Aaron once ran around that stadium. It's not historic because... So-and-so played there. It's not historic because so-and-so visited there. It's sentimental. It's a huge part of the fabric of our community because XYZ took place there. But the Carson Park Baseball Stadium is only historic because it was built as part of the WPA. And those structures are quickly disappearing, especially the sports facilities. It is a piece of of American history built as part of the largest public project our country ever had. The baseball stadium was a WPA project and built alongside of it that football stadium. They were both built at the same time with the same monies, part of the famous whether you agree with what it whether you agree with the plan looking back or not whatever WPA It was built as part of that plan. That is why it's historic. And that's why I always want to point out to everybody, everybody wants to save the Carson Park Baseball Stadium, but the fact that the football stadium would just be bulldozed and dismantled, nobody is saying, oh, the historic football stadium. No. That grandstand should also stay. Now, here's the kicker. I don't necessarily think that you need a football stadium at Carson Park. UW-Eau Claire is going to finish their facility. Eventually, you're not going to need a football stadium at Carson Park. But that grandstand could still get put to use. 
I think a great use for that grandstand would be for a small amphitheater at Carson Park. We don't have, for, for an area that loves its music, we don't have an amphitheater. We don't have an amphitheater. Spare me what they have at River Prairie. That's just a hill. Phoenix Park, it's a hill. It's not an amphitheater. So take that grandstand, which is historic. Don't knock it over. But take that area, instead of it being a football facility, build up a stage, build up some other seating around it, and put an outdoor amphitheater in. I think that'd be great. I think it'd be outstanding. Utilize what we have there. Amphitheater. Now, you're going to say, Scott, it's already passed the, the plan. They've already got the master plan. The master plan is not a final approval as to what's going to happen. Each project has to get individually approved over time. And as they get approved and things come up and things happen and money gets raised, there'll be different people in positions to make decisions and all of that. And, you know, you and I might not even be around when some of these decisions are made. The master plan is exactly that. It's the plan, but it's not the execution. I just hope that when you know the time comes in which that football stadium does get decommissioned, if you will, that we don't tear down that football grandstand because that football grandstand is every bit as historic as the baseball grandstand. Baseball grandstand is not historic because Hank Aaron played there. And I will point this out, by the way, a little history lesson to everybody. And this one, Hank Aaron did not begin his career in Eau Claire. It's a great fable that was once told by Jerry Poling in this town. Hank Aaron played here, absolutely played here, but he didn't start his career here. He started his career in Indianapolis before he came to Eau Claire. And you're going to say, well, Scott, that was in the Negro Leagues. But now I can counter you with this. Major League Baseball a few months ago officially, officially started to acknowledge Negro League stats in their history. So Negro League stats are right there alongside with Major League Baseball stats, one and the same. There's no separation anymore. So even officially now, not even, not even my opinion or, or, or the historian's opinions, his, he officially did not begin his career now in Eau Claire. Doesn't mean that he didn't play here. Doesn't mean he isn't part of the fabric of this community. Doesn't mean that didn't happen. I'm just saying, it's not historic because Hank Aaron played here. All new edition of Talk of the Town coming up on Friday. On behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Montesano saying there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until next time, so long, everybody. Thank you.